0: On that message that I gave on Sunday, I hope that you've taken that to heart and just you've thought and prayed and God, you're looking expectantly for opportunities. How many of you are looking for the opportunities? How many of you found any opportunities? Good. I found a guy Monday and I found another guy Tuesday. And you know, low-hanging fruit, just to say, is if somebody's in need, there was a guy standing outside of Dunkin' Donuts and he was looking kind of hungry and I was like, hey, can I buy you something? And he's like, yeah, yeah, Sure. So I go in and I said, what do you want? He goes, as long as you're buying, I'll take it. He went down the laundry list. I was like, okay. I asked. After I came out and I gave it to him, I go, you know why I'm doing this? He goes, yeah, no, I have no idea. I go, because Jesus loves you. And he's like, whoa. And I go, look, he's so real. He made himself so alive in me. If I didn't have Jesus, I would have walked by. I wouldn't have cared about you. But he's made his love real to me, and he wants to make it real to you. So here you go. I hope you enjoy the food. But just understand where it comes from. It doesn't come from me. And I didn't give, like, three points in the conclusion. It was just it was a gesture. And then I saw another guy. who was next door here today, this morning in the deli. I went in to get a, three eggs on a, a piece of toast. And as I'm in there, this guy walks in, and he's like, you buying something? And I go, oh, here, this is going to follow me. I, I pray, and now here we go. I go, yeah, I'm buying me something. He's like, uh, give me a sausage, eggs, and a biscuit. He's going to buy me something, too. <laughs> and I was like, I must have just got sucker now written all over my face. <laughs> but I went, absolutely, I got him. I got him. And he's like, really? I go, yeah, I got you. I go, What's your name? He goes, my name's Barry. I go, okay, Barry. After he gave it to me, I go, same thing. Do you, except this time I got a little bit more... You know, the more you do it, the more fluid you get. So I go, Barry, before I give this to you, I just want to hold on to it for a second. And I took like three minutes and I gave him the gospel. I gave him Jesus. And I said, You know, Barry, God loves you. I'm going to be praying for you that that thing that you have that's hungering inside more than for a piece of food, you have something you know you can maybe identify. I'll identify it for you. You need the love of God. It's made alive in you in Jesus. It doesn't take much. It might break your bank account, but all you need is an excuse, right? You've got to look for those excuses. I probably said a lot on Sunday, and I don't want to keep going. But if I could, I just before I say what I'm going to say tonight, I want to remind you of this. The Bible says, how is Satan overcome? By the blood of the Lamb and word of our Testimony. Even if you start to fumble through Scripture and you don't logically put everything together, each and every one of you has an irrefutable truth that nobody can deny. They might take exception with Scripture, but they cannot take exception with what God has done in your life and mine. And all it takes is, you know, a window of opportunity, a little bit of a cultivation of a relationship, and then just, this is is where I was? This is who Jesus, this is how he met me, and this is how he's changed me. It's not complicated. I just want to take a second, and I, I don't want to let go of this thought. As a church, we're on mission. It's not just to come to a prayer meeting. There's people walking around giving trick-and-treat outside. Maybe you have some people stop at your house. Always look for an opportunity to, to, to fit Jesus in there. It's what he's got you here for, and you don't know the difference it's going to make. You don't know how it can turn around somebody's life. Do you know how many people have come into my office, and I always said, How would you get to the church? I was just sitting on the train and somebody from the church came up to me and gave me something or just came up and said, hey, do you know Jesus loves you? And I was like, what? And then it turned into a conversation. They invited me to church and I got saved. You never know how God's going to use your life. And I just want to do this. I want to take a second and I want to just pray for God's the testimony that he's given you, that in this week, in this month, like that you would you would begin to tell people what he's done. I find that when I give my testimony, I was just giving it to a girl upstairs in my office before the meeting. When you talk about what Jesus has done, it reignites the flame of how that love was made alive in you. You can't talk about what he's done and it not stir your own faith and heart toward him. True? Let's just pray for a second. Father, I thank you today for the testimonies that you've given each and every one of us. Those sitting here, those that are watching online, you've given us a testimony for a reason, because you are a God who is filled with love. And that love you have filled our hearts with, and God, I pray that you would continue to fill our hearts with it, that it would compel us to go everywhere in our families, in our communities, wherever we are in school, God, on our jobs. It would compel us to tell people of how you've changed us. This world is so dark, and it needs hope, and that hope has a name. So in Jesus' name, would you make that life come out of us in a way that imparts that love to others. We ask you to do it, Jesus, that you'd be honored and glorified. Amen. Look for those opportunities. With the craziness that's going on in the world, do you know how easy it is to lose perspective? Yeah, we know God. We know that he's changed us. We're grateful for it. But you read too many news feeds, and you start to go, this is, this is sick. The things that happen, what people can degrade into, the atrocities that can be performed, the, the just disregard for life and the ugliness of it all, I, it just becomes so overwhelming. And then you add to it your own personal storms and challenges that you face, and you go, God, like... I know this is real, but where are you? Have you ever had a moment of discouragement, a moment of doubt? rest of you are lying. No, for real. Like, have you, We're at a prayer meeting. Have you, ever, have you ever been so affected by just what you're going through or the world that you're in that you actually, it's hard in faith to come to God and go for yourself or for somebody else where you actually feel like you're praying in faith? Well, that, that's, that's been me uh, not always, but in the past few weeks, it just, just like, God, I, I don't have anything to give. Like I, I'm having a hard time just coming to you and saying, here I am. Like, Do you hear me? Do you see? And so on one of these days when things were a little bit kind of in a place where I'm just trying to go, God, come on, let's go. Uh, I have a friend of mine that comes to the church here, and he's gone through so much. In the past couple of years, really kind of grew up in church but came to know who Jesus was. Uh, in a real personal way through a, a lot of challenging circumstances about two years ago. And so God has been increasing his ability to trust him and been faithful to him, but he's been going through it. And as he's going through it, I've tried to do the best that I can. We're all called to, as long as it's called today, to encourage one another. So I do what I can to call him, encourage him, sit with him, and try to be a brother to him. You know, he had called me, he left some texts with me, and, uh, and I just was like, Lord, I, I don't want to call and discourage somebody. <laughs> like, he'll, he'll, hear it in my, he'll hear it in my voice. I don't want to do that. So I, um, I just kind of, I didn't text him back. I, I just kind of ignored it. Not ignored, but I just was like, I, you know, whatever. And in that place, uh, he ended up a couple days later texting me. He was like, Dude, I really need to talk to you. And I'm like, he's gonna want me to get like my spiritual cheerleading pom poms out and say, come on, you can do this. And I, it's just not there, right? Have you ever felt that way? Yeah. So I, um, I okay, I gotta call him. I, I, I gotta call him. And I pick up the phone. And uh, actually, a little backstory. Right before that, in a staff prayer meeting, I went in, and I was like, I'm supposed to, you know, give some word of encouragement to everybody. And I just was like, God, I really don't even I don't have anything to prepare. I have, I'm just going to go in, and you're going to have to figure this out because, really, I just I have nothing. My wife started to lead in a, a worship song, and she just started talking about the goodness of God. And she started to exhort it in a way where it just broke me, and I just started to weep. And I went to the front, and I said, listen, I, I really don't want to, you know, try to preach some message to us. Here's the microphone. If God has done something to encourage you, would you just come up and just use what, your own testimony to try to encourage the rest of us? And so it was really a beautiful staff prayer meeting. Those people that were in the staff prayer meeting, I think, would agree. It was, it was special. Like, God came, and what people have gone through, and what, how God has helped them to overcome, it kind of charged me up. So I came out of that uh, prayer meeting, I thought, okay, I got a little something in the tank. Let me give him a call. So I call him, and then we start talking, and I just kind of feel myself like... And he goes, okay, so you don't have anything to say? And I'm like... No. He's like, no, you're a pastor. You're supposed to have something to say. And I go, No. Like we've talked about this a few times. I've tried to encourage you, but at some point, like we all have to do, you gotta push through your unbelief. You gotta push through the difficulty that surrounds your unbelief, your circumstances, your feelings, the things that you're trying to trust God for. You just gotta get to a place where it is God, you are faithful because you said whatever. It's who you are. You cannot deny yourself. Your very name is faithful. So my brother, I can encourage you to do that, but we're still going to hang the phone up, and you're going to have to get a hold of him for yourself, and you're going to have to say, God, you you have to meet me. I go, that's the best I got. I I know what you're going through, so let me take a second and pray. And he has, when I talk about layers of life, he's got the thing stacked against him. He's going through it for a reason. I don't fault him. But God, do something. Give him something that will encourage him amen. I tried. He ends up texting me back. Ten minutes after we get off the phone, he said, you know, whatever. He went, got a hold of God, prayed a little bit. And then five minutes after that, the, he, he was going to get potentially deported out of the country. He has two kids that are American, but he was going to get deported out of the country because of some financial issues that were playing into, it's, it's a long story. But they were like, "That's it. He he can't get the thing renewed, and if he doesn't get it renewed, he's going to get deported, and he m- might not see his kids again, until this thing gets straightened out. Those are his kids. Like I got four kids. Tell me I can't see my kids. You'd have to shoot me. So he this thing is weighing on him. He gets a call after we get off the phone within ten minutes." The Homeland Security calls and says, you know what? We told you you wouldn't be able to get the uh, visa approved, but we we changed our mind. We're giving you the visa. Here you go. You're good. So one minute you hear it's an impossibility by the people who have the authority, and the next minute God holds the heart of the king in his hand, and he turns it. You can't take doubt seriously. You you can't take your circumstances seriously. They're real. You might cry through them. You might feel the ups and downs of it all. But what you have to do is you have to set yourself in a position where you say, God, your word is the only reality that I'm going to stand on. It's the only thing that passes into eternity. And I don't care what anybody says. I don't care what a doctor says. I don't care what some judge says. I don't care. It doesn't matter. You have the final say. I'm trusting in you. It's one thing to give mental assent to. It's another thing to lean into. I just want to read a passage of Scripture that I think will help us today to lean into whatever that is that may apply to your life today. This is out of Matthew. It's the 21st chapter. It's verses 18 through 21, and it says this. It says this. Early in the morning, as Jesus was on his way back to the city, he was hungry. Seeing a fig tree by the road, he went up to it but found nothing on it except leaves. Then he said to it, May you never bear fruit again. And immediately, the tree withered. Now, when we're talking about a tree, we're not talking about like a little bush. I used to have a fig tree in the backyard that uh, my landlord had planted. And it was, you know, it started off as like this little tiny thing. And then it started to kind of, by the time we moved out, it was like a big bush. But when we're talking about a tree, we're talking about like something you stand back and you look at and it's, it's huge. And immediately, this massive tree withers. Now, when the disciples saw this, they're like, what in the world? He speaks, and in the instant he speaks, an entire tree just withers into death. They're amazed. How did the fig tree wither so quickly, they asked. Jesus replied, truly I tell you, if you have faith and do not doubt. If you have faith and do not doubt. Say that with me. If you have faith and do not doubt. Not only can you do what was done to this fig tree, but also you can say to this mountain, go throw yourself into the sea and it will be done. If you believe, you will receive whatever you ask for in prayer. So let's just take a second and do some context. Context. Who's thrown a mountain that you know of in church history into the sea? Anybody? Like one of the disciples, the apostles? Anyone? Nobody's thrown mountains around. So when you stop and you go, what is he talking about? Like we can actually throw mountains into the sea. Jesus spoke with a lot of hyperbole. That's sort of the custom in the Near East in the day. They would over-exaggerate things like Jesus saying, if your eye causes you to sin, gouge it out. Did he literally mean that? No. If your hand causes you to grab a hold of something it doesn't belong to, and you want to steal it, chop the thing off. No, no, no. It's speaking in an exaggerated way to make a point. And Jesus is trying to use a fig tree that's withering immediately he's trying to use hyperbole to make a point not about just the power of what he did in the moment in a word spoken there's power when Jesus speaks things happen but he's making a point not about like power in words he's making a point about faith and prayer the, the connection is prayer does incredibly amazing things beyond what we think is even possible like Jesus, when we call on him and we use his name, figurative mountains are removed. You might have a mountain here today, and you're wondering, how is this thing ever actually going to be thrown into the sea? How? By faith. Anybody have a mountain in here today that you're trusting God for? Like, God has got to do something. Like, this is just so big. The longer I look at it, the bigger the thing gets. It started off like a little hill, and now it's like the Himalayas. That's what happens when you look in the wrong way. But Jesus is trying to make a point about the power that we have as we gather here tonight. Like, I know we do this. This is just what we do every Tuesday. We get together. When we wake up in the morning, we have our devotional time. We pray. But I just, I want, hopefully tonight, we can kind of get a picture that reinvigorates us to the wonder and the awe that is wrapped into prayer. God wants to do great things not just to meet your great needs. He wants to he's going to take care of you. He wants to do great things in the world. He wants to do great things in your life. He wants to see his kingdom come that his will would be done here on earth as it is in heaven. Not just when Jesus returns, but until he returns. I know things are supposed to get darker before Jesus comes like it was as it was in the days of Noah. But I hope as a church we don't buy into that means we're off the hook and we don't have to trust him to do great demonstrations of his wonderful light, power, and love being made real in our circumstances. Where sin abounds, grace is supposed to abound even more. How do you think any grace is going to be abounding in your world unless we get a fresh God? prayer is amazing. Help me to come into that place where in that intimate exchange, my heart is changed and the world that I'm in can know your wonder. Well, where does that begin? It begins with doubt. Two things are juxtaposed here. Doubt and faith. And the way that they're connected, I'm just saying, maybe you think about this for yourself. For me, when I read, if, if you have any doubt, then prayer is not going to be answered. So then you start to get I get fixated on things. Okay, so i got to get this thing right. So I can't doubt at all. And if I'm doubting, then my prayers are going to fail. I would ask you, is that biblical? When you look at the account of the... Of the disciples, do you see them completely free of doubt as they do what they do? I mean think of the disciples in a storm after Jesus said, we're already going to the other side. Before the storm starts, they're, they're not very settled in the middle of a storm. They're not like waking them up going, oh yes, excuse me, uh, Messiah, could you take care of this? You have power. They're freaking out. They're completely doubting that they're going to make it to the point of his destination. They think they're going to die, and they're completely doubting, screaming, and saying, wake up. But in the things of faith, we, we, grow in our, we grow through our doubt. Because the next storm that you see the disciples in, you have Peter. And what's Peter doing? Peter is in the middle of a storm. It's the same kind of a crazy squaw. And they're, you know, rolling hard, trying to fight against the storm. And then here comes Jesus. And once they know it's Jesus, Peter is like, hey, Jesus, this is really you. Call me out. Jesus is like, come on, Peter. So he's not sucking his thumb like he was before in the middle of the, the, the boat, like worrying he's gonna die. He's like, okay, no, Jesus is the Lord of the storm, and so I know who he is. I didn't know that before. I was growing through my doubt. I know who he is now, so I'm getting out on the boat. And he gets out of the boat and he gets on the water and he starts to walk. Imagine that. We we can look at him and go, I can't believe Peter. He fell like he was walking on the water and he sunk. I don't know if I would have got out of the boat. Like, Peter's pretty diesel to me. You're amazing. And you took a couple of steps like, let's go, high five. I would have just stepped out and sunk. But it wasn't until he looked at the wind and the wave, took his eyes off of Jesus, and he started to sink. So doubt, even in the middle of faith, was affecting Peter. Then you you carry the thing through. Jesus tells them, I'm going to die. Three days later, I'm going to come back from the grave. The the ladies go to the the grave site. Jesus is alive. They come back with a report. Did the, the disciples believe? No. Jesus had to come to them in their doubt. And one of the disciples is like, look, you guys saw it. I didn't. I'm going to have to put my fingers in the middle of his wounds in order to believe this. After the people that he's just spent three and a half years living beside, breathing, feeding, and walking with Jesus, they're like, your report's not good enough for me. I still don't believe. Like, doubt is a real thing. Did he not leave for three and a half years? Everything that he knew to follow a Messiah? He had faith, but he had doubt. And in Jesus' incredible compassion and mercy, he comes to Thomas and he says, Hey, buddy, come here. You need need to put your hands in there. Come on. Here you go. And you would think at that point the disciples would be so good that they would just be good. But what ends up happening? Jesus calls them together. Right before he ascends, he's in some transfigured body. I don't know if he's levitating off the ground, but they come. They start to worship him. Some are worshiping him. Do any of you know the rest of that? And some doubted. In the middle of the ascension, people are doubting. People aren't amening this, but I'll amen it. Because that gives me encouragement today to put this verse in context and say, is it I have to get rid of completely every doubt that I have before God is going to come through and help me in my praying? Or do I learn how to trust God through my praying and understand it's a process that I'm growing into? You know, when the the father that had the kid that was throwing himself into the fire. He comes to Jesus and he says, this is what's happening. How long has this been going on? Since he was a little kid. Listen, if you're willing, if I'm willing, if you're able, he's implying like, are you, can you do this? Are you kidding me? Nothing is impossible for those that believe. And the guy gets it and he goes, I believe I'm coming to you, but I don't know how to make sense of this, so I'm doubting. And what did Jesus do? It was a gracious response. Jesus is always meeting people in their doubt to get them beyond it. And I want to encourage you tonight. If you're here today and you're praying for that mountain to be moved and you've got some doubt that is lingering in your mind and you're thinking, okay, I just read that scripture. i got to get rid of the doubt. No, stop that. That's not going to work. It's not going to help you. What's going to help you is just to go, yeah, Jesus, you're helping me to grow in my faith. Faith is something that we're becoming stronger in as we apply it. And in order to get to a place where we become stronger, we actually have to work through stuff, which is what doubt is about. Faith is really just working through doubt. And understanding that, I think, takes some of the burden off of us, like where we have to be perfectionists. Do you ever notice how sometimes Satan, at least he does this with me and the way that my mind works, I try to figure it out and like connect all the dots, and then he'll use the truth of God against me. Like, Really? Well, then you better get this down, and you better make sure there is absolutely not an ounce or a shred of any doubt in this petition, or it's not going to be answered. But God's going, no, 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 no. I know what you're made of. I know where you are. I know how you think. What is doubt? It's just, it's different than unbelief. Can I make a distinction between unbelief and doubt? Unbelief is somebody refusing to believe that Jesus is the Son of God. Unbelief is somebody refusing to believe that the Bible is the Word of God, Old and New Testament. It's a disposition of the heart that says, I see, but I will not believe. It's a little different than doubt. Doubt is, I see, I don't know how to make sense of it, but help me, Lord. I'm I'm leaning into you anyway. Belief, faith is just me opening my heart to what I believe is true and trying to lean into it in spite of all the things that I take in sensory-wise and in my mind that fight against me trusting God for who he promises to be. So, doubt. It's real. But then we got to take a second and say, then what of faith? Because these two things, we have to get how they work. And the Bible says, apart from faith, you know it's impossible to please God. And all of our praying comes from a place of faith. Faith comes from hearing the word of God. So if we're praying right, if those of you in here who are maybe new believers, if you want to know how to pray, get your nose in the word of God. Take in his word because his word is his expression. It's his will for how he sees things. It's the only reality that matters. And when you know what the word is and when you know what his will is, then you have something to stand on and take to him. And the Bible teaches that these promises that we've been given... It says this in 2 Corinthians, in the first chapter, in the 20th verse, it says, For no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. And so through him, the amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. We're going to hold on to that because in a second, whatever you want to pray for tonight, I want to take a second and just remind you, Jesus, what did he do? And what do those promises mean? And then you have to take those and apply them to your life. Somebody can pray over you, but you got to get along with God and say, You said this. This is what you're obligated to do. The Bible says that we've been received riches in Jesus. The promises of God are the riches of what we can lay a hold of as our inheritance in this life. It's God's heart for your position and mine. Whatever you're going through today, do you have need of wisdom? He's your wisdom. Do you have need of provision? He's your provision. Do you have need to move from where you are, as Pastor Burgos was praying, to some other place? He's the one that will move you. He's a way maker. Do you have a child that's wayward? Well, he's the one by his spirit that will convict of sin and fulfill his promise to you from one generation to the next. What is your need? I don't know, but I know this. We're sitting here today when (laughs) when you consider the richest places on earth. You can go to Manhattan, you can go to Wall Street, and you can go, this is a rich place. Go down to uh, where they keep all the gold reserves in America and go, no, no, and then inside of that place, there's, there's the real riches. Go to some billionaire's house, whatever. Now, the real riches, listen to me, the real riches are right here. The treasure of heaven, all that you need in this life, has been given to you in these precious promises, which Jesus made alive and accessible to you through what he did on the cross. The only thing that separates me from those promises is my sin and my rebellion. And he took both of them and forgave them and buried them in a grave so that the power couldn't separate me from him anymore. And then he put his very life inside of me so that those promises could take on life. The word of God is alive and active. How does it become alive and active in you and I? It becomes alive and active in us as we what? as we trust in his presence to make real to us whatever Jesus died to make available to us. Every one of you before God, you think, Bill, you think Bill Gates has got some money? Elon Musk? They're paupers next to you and I. That's not, that's not like embellishing things and sensationalizing it so we feel like somebody. The treasure of heaven has been made accessible to you and I. What thing do you lack in this life? I'm not talking about now you can drive around the bends and you can have a 500,000 square foot house. That's not what this is about. This is about God meeting your needs so that through those needs met, you can be a reflection of his glory in a world that needs to see it. And it does it different ways in different people's lives. Some people have a lot as believers. Some people have little as believers. It's not how much or little you materially have. It's spiritually everything that you should be walking in. and Whereas my brother, as he goes to the Philippines, what are his needs? I can't. He's going to feel alone. Listen, he's got the presence of God with him. God will never leave him. He'll never forsake him. He's got hard ground to, to, to try to break up over there. He's got kids that are maybe abandoned on the street that he's going to have to figure out how does he come alongside and love? I don't know. But the living God is with him. God's presence is inside of him. And anything that he has need of, God is saying, just let's talk. This, this incredible treasury that we've been given, it's just, has been given so that we can have an incredible, intimate, personal, relational dialogue with God saying, this is, these words reveal your heart. And they're your heart because there's need in this world. Can we talk about, God, what you say you are so that these needs can be met? That's all prayer is. Didn't you say that you would provide? These people need provision. Jesus, in your name, amen it. You have to do it because this is who you said you are. I'm not trying to work anybody up. I'm sorry if I'm working myself up. This is is incredible. And we come in and we kind of pray. And we're like, "Yeah, oh, let's, let's go to a prayer meeting. Go to a prayer meeting. Oh my goodness, in a prayer meeting, thousands of people can come together with the treasury of his promises and stand before a throne in heaven and say, pour out your blessing. Let's not take this for granted. Would you show up, God? Would you make yourself real? Obligate him to do something. Not just let's have a prayer meeting. Like my friend, I can encourage you. I can try to inspire you. But you got to get a hold of God for yourself. You got to believe that he wants to make this real. Did Jesus not bleed out in the most horrific way so that open access would be given to a throne of grace so that he could freely give us everything that we need when we need it? If I could, I just want to remind you of a few promises that are part of the treasury. There's a variation of need in here, but just consider, first of all, what you have need of more than anything is the very presence that you were made for, God himself. You're a believer here tonight. He's with you. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. It doesn't matter what you did last night. It's not going to matter what you did tomorrow. He is with you. And he's going to finish the work that he started. If you're here today and you're discouraged, you're overwhelmed because you keep going down the same road that you know you shouldn't go down, Jesus is going to finish his work in you. He's going to finish what he started. He's going to make you what you're supposed to be. He's going to put distance between you and your sin. He's with you. You don't know what to do. Where am I supposed to go? What decision am I supposed to make? You're going to hear a voice behind you say, this is the way, walk in it. He's going to lead you and remind you about the things that you need to be reminded of because maybe you want to go tell somebody about Jesus tomorrow. I'm not, you know, I'm not a biblical scholar. If you've taken in his word, his spirit has it hidden in your heart. As you put it in there, he's there to regurgitate that truth when it needs to come out to the person that needs to hear it. He's with you. He'll give you the words to speak. Just open up your mouth. You lost somebody, you're in a position, maybe you're watching online, you're, you need comforting. He's the God of all comfort. I was praying with a woman earlier in a 12 o'clock prayer meeting, and she was having a hard time because she lost her husband. And she's like, You know, I talked to her a few times, and I just said, He still wants to comfort you. Has He been comforting you all in the past year? She's like, Yeah. And I go, But you still miss your husband? She's like, Yeah. I go, Then. He's still, I want to pray with you, but you got to, he wants to comfort you. Do you believe that? She's like, yes, we prayed. And she's like, I thank you for that reminder. It's true. He's with me. Who, who understands tears better than Jesus? His spirit inside of you. What do you need? He's with you. What's the world in need that's around you? He's with you so that that can actually be made alive in, in and through your life to them. I don't want to belabor it. I'm, I just wanted to exhort you a little bit tonight. I've, I've exhorted myself over the past couple of days just after, after that day in the staff prayer meeting where I started to think about not just the things God's done, more importantly what he said. If he's done anything good it's because I've trusted him for what he said and he stands by what he promises and he fulfills it in our lives and as we trust him for it, we see nothing but his goodness and mercy follow us all the days of our life. And by being encouraged by that, I just wanted to take a second tonight and encourage you. God's with you. He loves you. He's giving you this privilege of prayer, and he wants you to use it so that his incredible, amazing wonder of love can be made alive in you and to the world around you. The riches of what we've received we don't even comprehend. And my prayer right now is, God, help me to better understand not just understand, not just memorize. Help me to get the picture of love that this is to my life and to the world that I'm in. God, make it real. I don't want to stand in, in eternity and look back and go, think of what I could have done. Think of how if I would have understood this, the difference my life could have made. And I don't want that to be said for you either. That would be the only real regret I think there might be in heaven. What, what, what was left on the table? I don't wanna leave anything on the table to you. I'm gonna ask you to stand up. I wanna do this. Anybody have something they came in here for, or they wanna see some mountain moved? What I wanna do before you leave is, before you leave, I want you to turn and find somebody and say, what are you trusting God for? Take a second and go back and forth. I'm trusting God for this, you're trusting God for that. Before we pray, what are the riches that we can apply to this? Encourage one another before you just start praying. Take a second and say, here's a promise. Maybe you haven't thought of this. Here's a promise that applies to that situation. And after you encourage each other with the word, why don't you begin to call on God? Now, don't, don't, don't pray for the other person. Let the other person agree with you in what you're trusting God to do in your own life. Make sense? But before you pray, maybe that person will have something to encourage you with so that you better have a picture of God's heart for your situation. Would you turn and find somebody and begin to pray? Some people continue to pray um, I just want to end with this thought. earlier than twelve o 'clock, I had Stephen Burgos, who was leading tonight in worship he, uh, he was exhorting the congregation about the thoughts that God has about our lives, and his point was god 's eyes are upon us, He sees everything that we go through, and he sees and he it 's because he cares Jesus in saying. Um, to the disciples, how they shouldn't worry about things. He, he, he was reminding him. God knows every hair on the head of a person. He knows every word that comes off the tongue before it comes. He knows the, the lilies in the field. He, he, he knows everything about everything which should encourage us that if he has those kind of thoughts about us, and their thoughts that are precious, their thoughts that are good, whatever those thoughts might be, we know what they are in the Bible. To bring healing, to bring salvation. I was just praying with a brother. He has friends galore that he wants to see come to faith. Start reminding him of the promises of God for his friends. Like God so loved the world that he sent him in. Put those friends' names in the blank. If we're going to see God do great things, we have to have our hearts reminded and lifted uh, to this place of wonder of where he, who he is in the position that he's in. He is a God that longs to give. He gave his only begotten son. What good thing will he withhold? Father, would you help us tonight? Thank you that your thoughts are upon us. Thank you that you care intimately about everything that we face. And thank you that you've given us this treasury of promises. They're the riches that we've received in Jesus. That we would be able, as we trust in him, to see that love made real in us and through us. And God, what an incredible gift you've given us in being able to come to a throne of grace I'm asking you tonight, it's a prayer meeting. We do this all the time, but in a new way, God, like never before, would you stimulate our minds? Would you provoke our hearts to just know that the the, the place of whatever problems we face, the place of answer is in your presence? It's your word being lifted to you and saying, This is what you've promised. Signed by your blood, the check has been made full. Here you go. Jesus, now move. Help us to see the truth of it, God, not just to see it theologically, but in a way that grips our heart, God, that motivates us to not just pray, but to pray and to pray without ceasing. Because your thoughts about your people and the the way that you want to meet the need, it's endless, God. Thank you for that. We love you tonight. We thank you for this prayer meeting. We thank you for your presence here. We thank you for the prayers that have been lifted up, and God, most of all, for the faithful way that you have answered. You've answered. Now, we thank you. Let's put our hands together and thank him for the answers that have been received. You know, time will bear it out, but we trust you, God, for it. We love you. In Jesus' name. Listen, bless you. Have a great week. Don't forget on Sunday, try to bring somebody that can be encouraged by this congregation in the presence of God in his love here.